what's good you already know who it is and if you don't know who it is it's your man leon benson aka leon genesis aka your mom's favorite personal trainer aka let's get it aka let's work aka always working aka theatrist thompson in the building what it do we back at it again man this is episode 127, season three of the Passion Purpose Perspective podcast by yours truly. We out here, we working. It's Sunday, fun day, December 4th, 2022. So, uh, real quick shout out. It's kind of random, but happy birthday to the king himself, king of the beasts. Wayne Mutata, who is a trainer um, from my hometown, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Another shout out to your boy Hove, aka Jigga Man, aka Jay Z. Yeah, happy birthday, bro. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, man, Sagittarius is in the building. But anyway, let's get down to brass tacks. So, last episode, we discussed increasing stamina as you age. And then we talked about net income, including non-controlling interest. So, if you want to go back into the feed, you can check out episode 126 and get all of the details on that. Today, we are going to talk about some of the struggles that you may face Um just in uh from a fitness perspective as far as like just when you begin your fitness journey or when you start a new diet which more specifically that's what we're gonna kind of get into just on the nutritional side some of the struggles that you may have um because essentially this time of year this is when motherfuckers start trying to make major changes in their lives and usually their diet is it seems to be like at the top of their list it's probably like top five getting in shape making more money or spending more time with family or starting that business or whatever and then it's like uh you know eating right this and that blah 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 you know how it goes new year's resolutions are around the corner and i'm just i'm already rolling my eyes at just the amount of bullshit that people are going to be spewing you know about what they're going to be doing next year. It's like, yo, just shut up and do the work. Um, but yeah, before I go on a long ass tangent, um, basically I'm just trying to preface, uh, preface, uh, this topic. So essentially, like I said, people are going to be wanting to get in shape. They're going to be wanting to make major changes. Now, like I said, nutrition or diet is going to be at the top of that list. A majority of the time. However, there are some harsh realities that we must face um, as individuals when we begin to eat cleaner or, you know, minimize the amount of calories that we are eating, specifically for those individuals who are trying to decrease their amount of body weight or just essentially burn body fat. So it's not all plain chicken breast and unseasoned broccoli. All right. Like, you're going to go through some 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 bullshit for lack of a better phrase for lack of a better term like you're you're really going to be fighting some demons um throughout your for, throughout your process especially like within the first i would say like 3 to 4 weeks um so yeah your body is going to have to adapt to that um and usually not usually but i'm sure that for a lot of people they just go right straight into whatever type of diet that they have planned, whether it is from a trainer that gave it to them or a nutritionist or their doctor, or just maybe they did some research. They did their Googles and found a random ass meal plan and they just wrote it down and was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Now, going cold turkey into a new nutritional uh, program is, is not ideal. You really need to, to, you know, take some baby steps and slowly guide yourself into eating different foods 
because your body it's gonna shock your body essentially if you just go from eating a bunch of bullshit to eating like super clean low calorie dense foods that are packed with a lot of nutrients it's not gonna work the way that you think that it works which is why i'm making this episode today now getting back into my notes essentially you know when you're when you're about to begin completely just changing your your diet and the things that you eat and you're going from a lot of sugary processed foods that are high in fat high in carbs high in uh you know simple sugars your body is 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 gonna have to adapt to the dietary changes that you make when you start to eat more like i said calorie dense you know low calorie dense nutrient rich foods um and yeah, I want to continue to go through my notes because there's a few details that I, I don't want to miss. So basically, there are some negative side effects that you might experience when you begin a new eating routine or nutritional program or just when you change your diet, essentially. Um, and your diet, I want to clear this up too. People think that the word diet is only uh, meant for... When you're, you know, uh, re just reducing calories only. And it's just like, no, that's not what that is for. When you're, your diet is everything that you eat all day. Whatever you eat. If you eat clean food, if you eat, you know, you know, healthy foods, that's your diet. So your diet is everything that you consume, whether it's healthy or not healthy. So I just wanted to clear that up. Now, going back into my notes, again, you're going to get some, some negative side effects. If you just completely dive straight into, uh, you know, eating cleaner. So you really got to take baby steps. But some of the things that you will experience is you'll basically like, for some people, they'll have feelings of regret. You'll be irritable. Or you'll just be like extremely irritated. You'll get headaches. You'll have sloth-like energy. Like your energy is not going to be as high as, as it normally would be. And I'm going to get into why. Um, some people actually get the shakes. Some people, you know, in terms of, you know, their bowel movements, they'll get the runs. Some people get diarrhea. Um, now, all of this may not may happen, it does happen, but all of this happens because your body is reacting to the dietary changes that you've recently made. So you, you have to understand that you can't let these negative side effects discourage you because it's temporary, but you have to stay the course. You got to stick with it. Um, your body is going to go through withdrawal, especially when you start to minimize things like carbohydrates. Now, if you want to make real progress, you've got to stick to the plan no matter what if you're trying to reach your fitness goals. Now, your body has defense mechanisms that will try to warn and protect you from internal harm. It will give you warnings. However, eating cleaner is a good it's a good thing. So, like most things, it takes time to get used to. You can't just jump right into it. Um, you you got to take baby steps, man. You got to slowly guide your body and your mind into that process. So getting into one of the things that you will experience almost immediately is when you start to decrease the amount of carbohydrates that you take into your body, you're for sure going to have lower energy um, temporarily, especially maybe like... Mm, the first like seven days is really gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna mess you up. Now, why this happens is because carbohydrates are a main source of energy for all uh for all bodily functions and especially for muscular exertion. So when you're lower on carbs, it's harder for you to lift weights. It's harder for you you know, to even just have like mental clarity and focus, you know, if your carbs get low enough, honestly, it's hard to just even do like everyday 
you know, just regular activities because, yeah, your energy is just completely zapped because, like I said, carbohydrates are one of your main sources of energy. So if you're minimizing that, you're going to experience physical effects that are not going to be as pleasant in the beginning of the process. Now, in the beginning, instead of you just completely like decreasing the amount of carbohydrates that you would that you would uh intake right away it might be better for you to replace simple carbs like sugars uh processed foods with complex carbs which could be like starches and fibers so you know i don't know maybe you're uh maybe you like sugary cereals as an example of something that we talked about, I think, what, last episode? You know, it's got a lot of simple sugars in it, some, some uh, a lot of carbs in it. You could replace that with something like sweet potatoes. Um, because, again, that's going to be somewhat of a much, well, not somewhat. It's going to be a lot cleaner of a carbohydrate to introduce to your body. Um, this, I know, as far as taste, is completely different. You could maybe add some cinnamon, ground cinnamon to the sweet potatoes just for a little bit of texture, just for a little bit of, uh, you know, somewhat flavor. Cinnamon has a, a weird flavor to it. It's it's literally something that it only tastes good when it's mixed into food. It's not good if you just glob it on top of something. No, you have to mix it into the food and then you will taste it. Um, but yeah, that will help you ease your way into lowering your caloric intake um, especially if you are minimizing the amount of carbohydrates that you're taking in. Um, now, some other side effects that you might experience, especially if you're decreasing your carbohydrates, is constipation and muscle cramps. Now, something that I had learned a while back is that there is a certain amount of water in, I think it's like every gram, like not every gram, but like a, it's like point something like 0.1 grams of water per gram of carbohydrates. So essentially what I'm saying is that if carbs is something that you think is what you need to decrease in your diet, your water intake is going to drop, which is, again, that's something else that is going to zap your energy or make you feel kind of like, queasy a little bit or just very you're going to feel very weakish and again your body is just adapting to what you're doing so it's going to try to save you uh, uh, essentially from depleting your body uh, of carbohydrates by pulling energy from protein or pulling energy from your fat sources if you if you don't change the amount of fat that you have in your diet but yeah, I'm specifically just talking about carbohydrates because, again, when people start manipulating their carbs, that is something that they really, really struggle with. And that's the thing I feel like personally that makes people really want to just quit and give up. And it's just like, nah, there are better ways for you to slowly over time minimize the amount of carbohydrates that you that you take in or the types of carbs. You don't need to completely eliminate carbohydrates from your diet. Carbs are your friend. Um, carbs give you energy. That's one of your main energy sources. So to completely eliminate carbohydrates from your diet, I wouldn't recommend it per se, especially if you're very new to introducing your body to cleaner, healthier foods. It is going to be a complete shock to your body. So I would never recommend just completely getting rid of carbs. Um, but then again, on the other hand, I probably wouldn't recommend anything because I would recommend you. Well, really, the recommendation would be for you to do your Googles, do your research, study, you know, really look at what would be effective for you based on your BMI, based on your uh, basal metabolic rate, based on your genetic you know, history, your, all of that kind of stuff, based on what goals you have in the future, your time horizon, et cetera, et cetera. You got to figure all of those things out. I'm just trying to make a general... Uh, just a general statement as far as some of the things that a individual may experience when they're decreasing their carbohydrate intakes. Because again, you know, especially guys like Greg Doucette, who is uh, a very prolific coach and bodybuilder, he always 
talks about how people are so weird about carbs. People are carbophobes and afraid of carbs. And it's just like, no, you need carbs to give your body energy, enough energy to be able to push through a workout, enough energy to be able to get through the day, you know, um, yeah, enough energy to utilize the things that you need to do to function internally, especially. Um, but yeah, man, you don't want to just go cold turkey and get into, you know, just eliminating fat from your diet or eliminating carbohydrates from your diet completely and then thinking that that's going to work or be effective. No, you slowly need to decrease things little by little, depending on what you're trying to do. But you don't want to completely eliminate something altogether because essentially what will happen is you will become deficient in a certain area, whether it's from a macronutrient perspective or whether it's from a micronutrient perspective. So you also have to keep that in mind as well. Um, now, again, those were just some of the negative effects that you might experience in the beginning of something like, you know, eating cleaner and maybe minimizing the amount of carbohydrates or just replacing some of the carbohydrates um, that you consume, getting rid of the simple processed sugars and going with some of the cleaner uh, foods that are higher in fiber um, or starchier foods, depending on what you're into, what your tastes are, and again, what your goals are. But that's completely up to you. So yeah. Um, another thing too is confidence. You will struggle with confidence from time to time as well, especially when you're starting to deal with some of the negative effects of your body just trying to adapt and get accustomed to new dietary, you know, uh, just habits. Um, so yeah, that's another thing is it's like you'll lack confidence on certain days. You might not want to train because you just feel very lethargic or just sluggish throughout your workout. So it might, you know, just demotivate you. But again, it's temporary and you have to really give yourself enough time and slowly build up your 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 adaptability to lower calories or a lower intake of carbohydrates. Um, but you, you probably shouldn't get rid of carbs completely unless you're, I don't know, doing like some other type of diet, uh, you know, zero carb diet or I mean, you know, there's people who do low carb diets or keto diets or whatever the case may be. But again, at some point, you're going to have to find a way to replace the thing that you completely got rid of. Otherwise, you're going to become deficient in that or you're going to lack you know, just certain nutrients that you need in your body in order to fully function properly without doing more harm than good. Um, but that's, again, that's something that you guys would have to, you know, research and study to figure out what would work best for you because it's going to be different uh, for each individual case. Now, going into just a way that you can kind of attack, you know, a new diet or if it's training a new training program or just you know for some people who are trying to do both and just really like just take their health to the next level in general you want to create a plan of attack if you lack discipline if you don't have discipline to start really taking care of your health and really like watching what you eat in terms of nutrition especially you need you need a few tools, you know, you need some equipment and you, you need to essentially like put yourself on a schedule, have a daily regimen. So, of course, just creating a plan overall. OK, so it could be as simple as you want to lose, you know, I don't know, 10 pounds in who knows, maybe six to eight weeks, um, maybe maybe even longer. It just depends. That's, but even when you think about that, if it's six weeks, you're going to be losing more than a pound a week. So that's kind of OD. So, okay, let's go with something that's even more simpler than that. You want to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks. That should give you a sufficient amount of time to do it without trying to rush through the process and causing physical harm. So, okay, you want to do that. Now you've got to figure out, well, what's your body mass index? What's your height? What's your weight? Um, again, do you have any hereditary, like, uh, you know, genetic predispositions or just 
things that you may need to make adjustments for so that way you're not compromising your health in advance that's something that you need to look at do you have food allergies um what's your what's your current level of motivation from one to a ten figure that out um and this is all things that you should be writing down especially again if you lack discipline because if you lack discipline you're not going to just do this just because you need to be able to see it on paper or on a whiteboard or make a spreadsheet or whatever the hell you need to do or download some types of apps or whatever um another thing is getting a food scale um so that way you can actually measure out your portions for what you need in terms of you know your carbs your fats your proteins and any other things that you're putting together as far as a meal plan um another key component to having a game plan is tupperware get some tupperware because there's going to be times where you're out and about you can't be out here skipping meals it's just not ideal um because again as far as the way that your body functions, it's not good for being able to maintain or have consistent uh, weight loss or fat loss over time if you're skipping meals. Because when you're skipping meals, then your body is going to, again, it's going to try to fight that or protect you from that lack of whatever meal you were supposed to eat at 3.30 p.m., but you skipped it because of whatever reasons that you made up in your mind. Um, so again, get a food scale, get some Tupperware. Um, if you're really trying to dial it in, get some measuring cups for meal prep so that you know, all right, I need six ounces of this, or I need one a half cup of this, or I need a quarter of a cup of this. Get the get the get the measuring cup so you can see it and you know what it is. Um, you don't have to play a guessing game, so that way you really can dial in on your goals. Um, another thing you can do is you can download a calorie counter, so something like MyFitnessPal, um, or you know, Fit. You can get the Fitbit app and and put in all your food from that or whatever. That's gonna help you if you're into counting macros and all of that stuff. Personally, I do not count macros. Um, I've been training for, you know, over 20 years. I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. However, I do know what causes my body to burn fat or to, if I'm trying to gain weight, I know that I need to increase the amount of food that I eat. Um, I can eye my food up because again, I, you know, it's a lifestyle, it's an everyday thing. So when it's time to dial in, I know how to do that. But for other individuals, it's not that simple. So you can download a calorie counting app of your choice. So that way, when you are mapping out the foods that you're eating, you're knowing exactly how many calories you're eating throughout the day, how many calories for each meal, um, which will help you out, out again with being able to measure and weigh your foods. Um, so that way that you can prep things and put them in Tupperware and have them available. Um, and then obviously another thing too is cooking all of your meals a week in advance. What are you waiting for? Don't wait until the last minute to make your meals because eventually you're going to be, you know, super tired from work. You're going to, you know, wake up in the morning after like a 12 hour shift and you're going to just go and eat the first thing that you see instead of eating what is within your meal plan that is supposed to be aligned with your fitness and nutritional goals. Um, so that's another thing. Prep all your food in advance. Don't be lazy. Um, and then, you know, what else? Yeah, man. Like I said, writing out or taking a photo of your workout routine, that is another thing that you need to do in order to stay on track and stay focused. For some people, it's better if they can see everything on paper physically so that way it's it's easier for them to follow it. But yeah, man, like I said, in the beginning, you are going to deal with certain things, you know, sluggish energy, lack of confidence. Uh, people are actually going to kind of like poke fun at you in a way. That's something mentally that you need to learn how to deal with. Um, it could be a hater or it could be somebody who just doesn't understand the journey that you're on. That is okay because it's not about them. It's about you becoming the best version of yourself. So you need to focus on your goals and what you're trying to do. Don't be, you know, persuaded not to pursue your goals because somebody doesn't like what you're doing or somebody doesn't understand what you're doing. Who gives a fuck what they think? Do what you got to do, 
if you're really serious about this, like block out all of the noise and get your shit together. Stop playing games. You know, like I said, get your food scale, get your calorie counting app, you know, get your measuring cups, get your Tupperware, really, really dial in on it, write everything down if you need to. Again, if you lack discipline, you know, you might even need to set alarms for the times when you need to eat your foods. Do that if you need to do that. It's nobody else's business but yours because nobody can do the workouts for you. Nobody's going to prep the meals for you. Nobody's going to get the supplements for you. Nobody is going to help you to hit your goals except you. You got to get up and do the work every single day if you really want to do this. Um, especially, again, if you're not a person that is like super duper disciplined and a lot of people lack discipline. You got to make it a lifestyle. It's an everyday thing, um, you know. And it's not going to be easy at all. And a lot of the times, I've talked about this so long ago, but honestly, fitness is a very, you know, fitness and nutrition, like when you lock in on, you know, wanting to accomplish a huge fitness goal, it is extremely lonely, especially if you're not at a professional level where you're hiring coaches or you're, you know, uh, having sponsorships and all that kind of shit. It's different for the everyday individual. It's really just you and the scale and the weight room and the body weight exercises and the workout routine and the Tupperware and whatever the hell else, you know, all the other tools that you need. And it's you and your mind. So you've got to be mentally strong to be able to push through this shit when it gets hard. It's going to get hard. It's going to get boring. Um, you're going to question yourself at times. That is all a normal part of the process. And those are just some of, you know, the pitfalls and things that you will experience on the journey. But I'm telling you, it's all going to be worth it. But you really got to want this shit for yourself. It can't be about impressing haters or impressing people that don't even know you or don't even like you or whatever. It's not about them. It's about you becoming the best version of yourself. And it is about you know, the greatest act of self-love that one can experience, which is improving your health and overall well-being and increasing your life expectancy. Like, that's the most beautiful thing to me that a person can do aside from maybe like, I don't know, being a parent or something like that. I'm not a parent, so I don't really know. But I mean, I'm just saying like, you have to take care of yourself. If you can't, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. And what better way to take care of yourself than improving your overall health and well-being by, you know, cleaning up your diet a little bit and exercising, you know, 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day or however long you feel like exercising. Um, because, yeah, man, it's it's a lonely journey. It's just going to be you out there doing doing your thing. At some point, people are going to drop out of the quote unquote race. Let them drop out. That's fine. Stay with the stay with the plan. Um you know, find a way mentally to be able to deal with some of the side effects that you will experience and just get through it. Because once you start making progress, you will see, you know, your haters or people that wasn't there, they're going to be like, yo, you looking good. Or like, man, can you show me how to, you know, do that? Or, you know, whatever, whatever, this and that. In the beginning, they'll be very confused. Let them be confused. We don't, we don't do it for them. You know what I'm saying we do it for us, but yeah, man, have a plan of attack, man. Get all the tools you need to get together to be able to accomplish this shit. Because, yeah, some days it's not going to be easy, but you've got to stick with it. you got to stay with it. If you're really trying to, like, adjust and make some serious changes, don't let this new year be the year where you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it because that shit is trash. Like, you just lying to yourself at the end of the day. Nobody else is really going to care what you're trying to do or not do. Um, but yeah, man, utilize, you know, the resources that you have and mentally find a way to be able to deal with the temporary pitfalls and setbacks that you are going to experience um, and have fun with it as well. That's probably one of the most important things. Have fun with it. Make it fun. Make it a fun journey so you can stay with it and stick with it. Um, and find ways to make the foods that you are eating that are cleaner, make them taste good. Find ways to make them more fun or friendly or whatever. Just make them more appealing to your eyes so that way you'll want to eat them. But whatever you need to do to hit that, that fitness goal or that nutritional goal, do it. Get it done. Um, because at the end of the day, man, it's just you out there. So, yeah, um, I kind of just wanted to 
give a little bit of just uh I wouldn't call it advice, but just I don't know. Yeah, man, just giving you guys the reality of what it is, how things will be, how things might feel, and just some things that you you can do and add to your arsenal to to be able to reach those goals because most people have no clue what to do anyway, which is why they'll hire coaches or they'll try to find guidance, but yeah, man. You, you still got to be the one to do the workouts. You still have to be the one that preps the meals. You're still the one that's, you know, some days you might be going to bed hungry, but you know that it's a temporary setback in order for you to make a killer ass comeback. So yeah, man, just find a way to, to get through it. And again, have a plan of attack, man. You got to have a plan of attack for sure. And, and do thorough research on what it is you need to do to to reach your goals. Don't just gamble about doing whatever because if you're not at that level where you truly know your body and you truly know who you are and you truly know what foods to eat, do the research, man. If if you can't afford to hire a coach, then you really need to sit down and and do the research. Read as many books on on, you know, diet and exercise that you need to read. So that way you really know what to do and find out what works specifically for your body type for your with your food allergies or if, if you have any. And and yeah, man, just enjoy the journey, because at the end of it, hopefully it doesn't end. But, you know, at some point within the journey, you're going to look up and realize, like, man, I'm so much better than I was yesterday i'm so much better than i was last year the year before that or the year before that because really that's the beauty in fitness and nutrition is like you literally become a much better person because you have better habits on a daily basis and everything that you're doing throughout the day when you're prepping meals when you're eating cleaner you know when you're taking supplements um you know when you're just locked in on those goals of just increasing your life expectancy like man it's just a beautiful thing and you can't help but become a better person when you take care of your health so yeah man i'm going off i'm going crazy i'm gonna end the fitness portion here so yeah man if you need to make sure you go back and rewind to whatever parts that you felt were the most useful to you and of course if you enjoyed the the fitness slash nutritional portion of today's segment make sure that you download rate comment and subscribe to the podcast man we got more episodes on the way now let's get into the finance portion of today's episode so we have a lot of information to cover and you know i posted this on my instagram story but it's getting harder and harder to dial this down and have it be, you know, less than 45 minutes. But yeah, first half was already what, 30, 35 minutes or something like that. But anyway, man, let's get into the finance portion of today's episode. So before we do that, make sure you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. Now, S&P 500 at the close on Friday was at 4,071.70. In percentage terms, it was 15.49% off of the January 52-week highs. Um, So yeah, we still struggling overall. So we're not, we're not out of the woods. You know, it's not, it's not that much better than than it's been you know the last couple of weeks or the last like two months three months or whatever we we struggling out here um things are changing but another thing too is you know depending on what businesses you're looking at via the stock market um yeah there's not as many discounts depending on whatever the hell your strategy is but of course everybody has different strategies, different time horizons. Um, and those are things that you need to consult with your own financial advisors and do your own research on. So let's get back to this. Now, like I said, S&P 500 uh, was 15.49% lower than the January 4th, 52-week highs. Now, the labor market, employment, it's still pretty strong with 263,000 added workers for the month of November. 
Another thing is hourly wages rose 5.1% annually. So if you've been following the last couple of episodes, I've been essentially just kind of giving some commentary on what the Federal Reserve has been doing. If you don't know, the Federal Reserve is basically like they control the monetary policy in the U.S., So they either print a bunch of money, not necessarily, not print a bunch of money, but basically they put money into the economy or they take money out of the economy. And they do that either through quantitative easing, which is putting money into the economy, or they engage in quantitative tightening, which is taking money out of the economy. And right now we are in a quantitative tightening cycle. They are taking money out of the economy because prices for goods and services have been skyrocketing, um, you know, for the last, Jesus, what, almost two years now? Inflation has just been steadily creeping, you know, month after month after month. And the Federal Reserve has a, a dual mandate, which is maximum employment as well as price stability. So one of their things is they want inflation to stay at a 2% level. And right now, or at least the, the last the last CPI reading, inflation came in 7.7% higher. Yes, it was a little bit lower, but still, we're still at like what? <sighs> yeah, we're still like at 8% overall. Or thereabouts. So we still got a lot of ways to go for them to try to bring inflation down. Now, the the talk of the town in the finance world is, is the Fed going to continue to raise interest rates or are they going to pause or are they going to start to cut interest rates? Now, there there's an FOMC meeting that's coming up and that's basically going to be a meeting that establishes some of the current economic data that comes out and then looking at that and then deciding if they're going to raise rates higher and then if they do raise them higher by how much. So way before this, this, this next meeting was, was about to come up, which is in December, they were talking about 75 basis points, which is what they did last time. But now some people are saying that the Fed is only going to raise rates by 50 basis points or basically a half a percentage point. So honestly, most of us, we have no idea what they're actually going to do because, again, they're very data dependent. So they wait for information to come out, look at that information, and then they make their adjustments based upon that information to see where we are as an economy Um because again, it's gonna kind of guide them in terms of what needs to be done, if they're doing too much, if they're not doing enough, or if they're doing just enough. So they have something called the Fed Funds Rate. The Fed Funds Rate is a rate that the Federal Reserve charges commercial banks for overnight loans. Um, Now, commercial banks, you know, if you have a bank account at a commercial bank, a Wells Fargo, Chase, uh, you know, I don't know, Citizens Bank, Union Bank, Fulton Bank, whoever, they have reserve requirements. Reserve requirements is basically like, hey, you as a bank need to have this much money in your safes at all times just in case all of our customers want to come in and withdraw money. Um, So we need to have that cash available. Now, essentially what happens with the Federal Reserve is the Federal Reserve will charge these banks a certain, uh, they'll charge them a certain rate and say, look, you know, for the reserves that you're that you have at your banks, we're going to charge you X amount of percent on that money. And then the banks say, well, shit, if you're charging us that much, then we're going to charge our customers, you know, X amount percent on the money that they're taking out or the money that they're borrowing. If they're getting mortgages or if they're getting auto loans or personal loans, they're going to pay for that via an interest rate. So I say all of that to basically say that the Federal Reserve's Fed funds rate right now is at three and three quarters 
to 4%. It's between three and three quarters, 3.75% and 4% currently. Now, the expectation is that that Fed funds rate is going to get to 5% by 2023. So according to a Reuters article, last time the federal funds rate got to 5% was June of 2006 uh, to July of 2007, which led to the 2007 to 2009 financial crisis and recession. So kind of let that sink in a little bit. If the Fed funds rate gets to 5%, we just might tip into a recession. Who knows? But that's basically the range at which says, all right, the economy can't take it anymore and it breaks and things just completely collapse from there. Um, but that hasn't happened yet, although it does seem like that's where we're going. So at that time, uh, the federal funds rate, it got to 5.25%. Um, when, when, during the 2007 to 2009 economic crisis and recession. Now, the next FOMC uh, FOMC meeting to determine how high interest rates are going to be raised or if they're going to be paused or cut, um, that is going to be December 13th to December 14th. That is, from, from, from what happens there, you're going to see the stock market react in, you know, probably a pretty major way depending on where where they go with this with this interest rate hike um but yeah it's it's to be determined at this point but even with something like the cpi print uh from not from last month i think from the month before that the market rallied so hard um because inflation came in a little bit lower and people i guess got so hyped up or the market got hyped up or the algorithms or whatever, but the market rallied to the most ridiculous levels that I've seen. And I've been deeply studying this stuff and paying attention to it for the last two years. And, you know, when that CPI print came out at 7.7% and it was lower than expected, I never seen markets rally that hard so far. Um, but again, these are things that happen during bear markets. So anyway, going back to my notes, the federal reserve, they want and need higher unemployment and lower wage growth because this will discourage spending, which at some point will bring down inflation. But the problem is it also slows overall economic growth and production, which is something that we need as a nation in order to continue to prosper um, and have things be hunky dory for lack of a better term. Now, either way that this goes, we as American citizens, you and me, retail investors, we have to work. We we have to pay for our monthly expenditures. And if there's any money left over, we have to allocate that capital over time, which leads us to evaluating the intrinsic value of assets like stocks that, again, are going to be options that we have in terms of just what we can do with any extra access money that we have if we're individuals that want to invest money um and that's something that i'm into obviously which is why i'm talking about this so i kind of want to get into that now we've discussed a lot of information uh over the last couple of episodes so just want to get into that briefly now we covered consolidated statements of income more specifically we looked at net sales we looked at operating expenses. We looked at cost of sales or cost of goods sold. We've looked at selling general and administrative expenses, research and development, consolidated group income, and we've looked at you know much more. So today I wanna briefly look at shares. What the hell are shares? You know, how, how, how are they created or how do they, how do they play a part, you know, within, one's investment strategy now originally i was going to talk about weighted average shares outstanding basic versus diluted but the problem with that is some of you guys don't even really understand or know what shares are or just how they work or or just you know how the amount of shares are even determined 
So I kind of want to get into that first. And then eventually, over time, we'll talk about, you know, weighted average shares, um, outstanding basic shares versus diluted shares, and how that plays a part when you're uh, analyzing a consolidated statement of income, because it's a very key component to analyzing where a business is and what they are doing with the capital that's coming in and the capital that's going out. Now, I did have some reference points that I wanted to make, but I'm going to do them later. Um, I'll just briefly say that one of the reference points I want to make in terms of, of companies issuing shares um, or buying back shares is The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. That's a book by Benjamin Graham. He taught Warren Buffett. Um, he literally taught him. Warren Buffett took his class and learned under him. But yeah, in, in Benjamin Graham's book called The Intelligent Investor, he talks about share buybacks. So when companies buy back shares that they authorized and let retail investors buy, they will buy back those shares. And um, he basically gives some 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 very useful information on why that sometimes can be a very bad thing. But I think I'm going to try to save that for a future episode. So let's try to get into just the basics of shares. Now, first and foremost, companies go public, a.k.a. they issue shares in order to raise capital. This capital that they're raising or this money that they're raising, it is used to either invest into growing the business or scaling it up, making it more successful, or they take the money that they generate from issuing those shares or saying, hey, here's some stock for you guys to, to buy. They use that money that they get when people buy the stock to fund things like executive compensation in the form of pension funds or uh, pension benefits or stock options. Now, I know that that's a whole mouthful, but I'm going to continue on. Um, there are a few ways that companies offer shares or maintain shares for other purposes. Now, the first one is authorized shares. Authorized shares are the number of shares of a stock that a corporation can issue. Issue meaning that they'll say, we have these many shares that we want to offer to the public people everyday individuals like me and you to buy stock. Now, corporations, they have bylaws or they have charters. And these things will tell companies the number of shares that they can issue to the public. So with that, the company, they can hold back shares for future offerings because, okay, going back to the beginning, because I feel like I'm, I'm losing people. Now, when a company goes public, it's called an initial public offering. That essentially is like the primary offering. That is the first time that a company says, we're going to allow people to buy stock in our company. We're going to issue shares. We're going to authorize shares. Now, again, authorizing shares is the number of stocks a company can issue. And there's a certain number that is agreed upon when the company is, is beginning to its formation. They put all of those things in writing. Now, companies do a lot of different things when they're, when they're authorizing shares or issuing shares. So, again, there's a lot of different ways that they do this. One of them is IPOs. That's the initial public offering. So that's like the first go around. Hey, we're going to offer you guys the opportunity to buy stock in our company. There's also secondary offerings. And then there's tender offerings. And then there's exchange offers. Now, the second way that companies will utilize shares or issue shares is again it's in the name they will issue shares so issued shares what are issued shares issued shares are the portion of authorized shares sold to the public in order to raise money so if a company is trying to raise money 
if they need to get more money because they don't have enough cash on hand, they're going to issue more shares. They're going to give more stock out publicly to people like you and me to buy. When we buy those shares, that money gets essentially, quote unquote, transferred to that company. The company takes that money that they get from us buying their stock and they utilize it for their daily operations or to to fund people's retirement funds that are executives in the company. And they also will just hold some of those shares um, in case they need them in the future to raise more money for other operations because they might not want to use all the cash that they have or they might not have enough cash to be able to fund or grow their business, you know, in certain areas. Now, the issued shares, um, there are shares that can be unissued by the company for up to three years, according to the Securities and Exchange rule, which is 415. It's called shelf registration. So that's something else that's interesting as well. Companies don't have to issue every single share that is authorized. They can hold back some shares if they want to. Now, there's a third process here, and this is called outstanding shares. Outstanding shares are the number of shares in the public's hands. So any shares that are bought by just regular everyday retail investors, those are called outstanding shares. Now, the company, they may decide to actually repurchase or buy back some of its stock in the open market from people like you and me. They can go in and just buy those shares back if they want to. Now, reasons why they might do this is to increase demand of the stock or just to raise the share price of the stock. Um, another reason why a company would buy back shares in the open market is to prevent a hostile takeover, which is just another company trying to gain control of the issuing company. Um, so yeah. Those are the three things that, that companies do with their shares. And then another part here that I wanted to mention is that stock that is repurchased by the issuing company is called treasury stock. So outstanding shares, there's, a, there's, like, there's basically an equation here. And outstanding shares are the equivalent of issued shares minus treasury stock. And again, treasury stock is stock that the company has given out or issued to the public and they have decided to buy some of it back. Because again, companies will issue shares to raise money. If they need money and they don't have enough money, they will, they will issue shares. They'll say, we need to make, we need to create more stock that people can buy. When they buy it, we're gonna take that money and we're gonna utilize that to grow our business or you know, to, uh, to pay some of our executives who have these things called stock options, for those of you who knows what stock options are. Um, so there's, there's a lot that, that happens in terms of companies issuing shares, authorizing shares, um, and just or either buying back shares there's a, a lot that can affect a business and some of these things are very important to pay attention to um this is why i kind of wanted to to preference uh preface uh weighted average shares outstanding basic and diluted by just breaking down in general you know just what shares are how they're authorized how they're issued um why companies may buy them back because it affects the value of the business that you own via the stock. So whatever stock certificates you have, if a company buys back shares, that is going to affect the value of the stock that you own in that company. If they issue more shares, that's gonna, that's gonna affect the value of the stock that you own in that company. If they just hold on to shares and don't issue them, that is going to affect the value of the of the stock that you own in that company. So this is something that needs to be paid attention to. Um, if you're somebody who's really trying to figure out like why, 
you know, a company is doing certain things or why the value of the company might be, you know, fluctuating, you know, just so ridiculously, maybe over the short term or me even over the long term or the medium term. It just depends. But yeah, there's a there's a lot that goes into shares, whether it's author, a company authorizing shares, a company issuing shares um, or just a company trying to buy back shares. And those are some things that a lot of us retail investors don't really pay attention to or look out for, which is why sometimes, you know, we'll make a lot of mistakes as investors. So and it's something, too, also that I'm learning as well, which is why I'm talking about it. Um, because it, it helps me to be able to just try to organize my thoughts around it and to just retain the information. But yes, something that is important to look at when you're looking at a company's annual report and you're looking at the financials is looking at the shares outstanding, looking at the weighted average shares outstanding, basic the basic shares and the diluted shares. Because again, the company, they, they have a certain amount of shares that they've authorized. They have a certain amount of shares that they issued or gave out to the public. And they have some shares that they may buy back or repurchase. And there's so many different reasons why. And another issue or another thing to look out for is whether the company buys back their shares above intrinsic value or below intrinsic value, which basically means did the company buy their own stock back at the highest price or did they buy it back at a lower price than what it's actually worth? Because again, that could, that could depending on which way it goes, it could positively affect the shares, the stock that you already own, or it could negatively impact the shares that you already own. Um, so yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't even want to get into any more because honestly, I'm just going to start confusing people. So yeah, that is basically just some of what you can expect in terms of just the research and analysis that you, that you, will have to do and for some of you that will want to do in order to just further understand the businesses that you own within your stock portfolio because again when you buy publicly traded stock when you buy stock in a company you instantly become a fractional business owner you've bought a business like <sighs> Warren used to talk about it all the time Munger talked about it. Uh, Pabri talked about it. These are the, some of the most prolific investors of all time. And it's just like, man, when you start thinking in that way, you will start to evaluate and appreciate the, the stock that you own much more, or you just won't give a damn at all. And for me, it's something that I want to get better at year after year after year. I don't want to just, you know, buy buy stock based on the price and based on the price only no i want to i want to understand the businesses i want to understand what's going on why it's happening um i want to understand how to be able to adjust my strategy my overall investment strategy based on what is happening with within the companies that i own via my stock portfolio um and when you think in terms as a business owner you get a much better perspective and view on what you own as a shareholder. Um, and again, this is why I'm talking about that. So yeah, man, um, over time, we're just going to keep breaking it down episode by episode. So yeah, we'll probably spend a, a lot more time on just talking about shares and how it affects companies and how that affects the shares that you own in that company depending on what the company does with those shares um because yeah man it's a lot of little trickery you know that goes on with some of these companies and most people don't pay attention to it so they'll just completely disregard it meanwhile the value of their of their stock is just complete shit and they don't understand why so then they panic sell 
or they hold on to a losing position or, or, you know, worse, the company just completely flatlines and goes to zero and you have no idea why, because you just weren't paying attention. So yeah, man. Um, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. I know that this was a lot of information to dissect, but you know, again, if you're into any of this shit, go back and just re-listen to it, take some notes and, you know, just take it with a grain of salt because who the hell am I to be talking about this? You know, I'm just a random ass dude that absolutely loves, you know, just this aspect of finance. I'm a finance enthusiast. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I'm a, you know, whatever this and that. No, I'm just an enthusiast. I'm really excited about this journey. Um, and this is a way for me to be able to just really learn the ins and outs of becoming a better investor, aka a better business owner over time. So yeah, man, I'm gonna wrap it up here. And hopefully you guys enjoyed today's finance segment. And hopefully you enjoyed the fitness segment uh, earlier. So of course, with that being said, make sure you download, rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We got more episodes on the way. So with that, you already know who it is. I'm not going to say it again. I'm out.